the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Up today, Chris Corbett's going to be calling in here in just a few moments. Uh, Robert Steinbach, I don't know whether he's going to stop by the studio or if he's calling in this morning. Uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan is calling in. He's going to talk about what's going on with Central Water. That's a big story that's been out there uh, this week, and we've talked about it. And we'll uh, dig into it even more so today uh, with the State Senator. We're going to talk a little SEC football today since football kicks off this weekend. We'll want to talk about uh, some of the different teams. Who does it look to win the East? To win, who's going to win the West? I think the West is kind of wide open, to be honest to you. Uh, East is going to be between two teams. I think we all know that. It's going to be between Alabama and uh, going to be uh, uh, with Georgia. But Tennessee could be a spoiler. That's something that going to have to keep a watch on uh, after their season last year. Now, they kind of, after they lost their quarterback last year, their their, their season kind of went down the tube some. But I'll talk to Aaron about that. He's my specialist about all this. And then Matt Smith is going to be on, and uh, we'll be talking to Matt about movies. I went and saw The Equalizer 3 last night with Denzel Washington, and I can just tell you, it was a good movie. You'll enjoy it. Uh, it's a it's much more like the first movie. There's more action in this one than was in the last one. If you remember the last one, it all took part uh, or took place during a hurricane, and uh, this time that's not the case. In fact, it doesn't even take place in the United States. So uh, we'll get all of that to uh, to be uh, looking at. Is that Chris on the line, or is that Robert? That is Robert Steinbuck on line one. Okay, so Robert's going to join us by phone today, too. So Robert and Chris both will be on the phone, and so will uh, Senator Dan Sullivan. He'll be in at 8 o'clock hour. He'll join us uh, to talk as well with us here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick <laughs> Show. He wants to talk about uh, what's going down with Central Water. Let's get uh, let's get to to Robert. Robert, how are you today? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. You're busy today. You're a busy, busy yeah, little beaver. We, uh, Chris, and I have a hearing in uh, federal court uh, regarding our client uh, Missy Bosch, uh, who the Cabot School District has um, uh, mistreated uh, and basically banned her uh, from the school district. Uh, because of the uh, First Amendment speech uh, commentary uh, that she made, uh, because this is how leftists run organizations. Right. They decide they're the kings, they're in charge, and they'll do whatever they want, whenever they want, notwithstanding the Constitution. Uh, and so uh, we filed suit, um, and uh, we actually have that suit, and then Chris had made a FOIA request for certain records uh, regarding 
um, broader issues that overlap with this case of the Cabot School District. Uh, and they made a motion in federal court uh, to say, well, the FOIA doesn't apply to us, you see, because we're in federal court. <laughs> uh, 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 around that time, incidentally, Jimmy Cavan uh, had made a FOIA request of the Cabot School District. And they said, oh, well, you, Jimmy Cavan, who have nothing to do with this other case, aren't entitled to those documents because we filed uh, a motion in federal court that you're not involved in. So then Jimmy Cavan, on, uh, to his credit, filed on his own, meaning didn't get a lawyer, didn't get me, filed a lawsuit against the Cabot School District saying I'm entitled to these records, uh, and then brought me in to represent him at the hearing. Right. Uh, and that's been well, postponed. It's slightly more complicated, but the essence of it is it's been postponed. So here, to, to recap, here is the Cabot School District. Hey, we are going to violate the First Amendment rights of a conservative citizen of ours, get sued for that, and then claim, ridiculously, uh, without uh, merit, uh, that no citizen of Arkansas can make a Freedom of Information Act request of the Cabot School District because they so mistreated a, a conservative citizen that they got sued, and now they have this veil, this cloak of immunity around them from any FOIA request regarding any matter even tangentially related to that lawsuit. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, I, we talked about this on the show on, right. uh, on Wednesday and, uh, and, and discussed this. And it just it is such thin gruel that uh, the Cabot School District is throwing up here. Hey, let me make a suggestion. Uh, that, uh, of course, I am uh, perfectly entitled to do, but I want to emphasize that I'm perfectly entitled to do. Yeah. To all your good listeners, uh, be, be, because of this both attempt by the Cabot School District or this actual uh, um, effort by the school district to violate uh, a conservative's free speech rights and their abuse of the Freedom of Information Act, uh, in Arkansas, the uh, the crown jewel, of course, of our laws in Arkansas. Here's my suggestion to all your good listeners. Make a FOIA request of the Cabot School District for all records that relate to uh, any violation of First Amendment rights uh, of uh, any citizen, uh, any records that relate to the case of Missy Bosch, and most critically, including the records uh, of your attorneys over which you legally have control. Because that's what they're holding up. And in fact, as far as I can tell, they actually just misrepresented the truth. Because they said, well, we don't have any such records. Knowing full well, by the way, that they have administrative control over the records of their attorneys because they've routinely given over the very same records to Jimmy Cavan before. Yeah. And they've done it and those lawyers have done it themselves and now the school district says, "Well, we don't have any such records." Uh -huh. uh, did you ask your attorneys? I mean, it's just it, it's incredible and frankly, that's uh, that's crossing a line there. Well, looking at how much money they've spent with their attorneys, they must talk to them a lot. Oh yeah. Well, that's see, here's what Jimmy Kevin has done now for some time, well before this lawsuit. He 
knows that this particular law firm represents several school districts. And by the way, good for them if they can get the business, but they ain't cheap. And so what he does is he wants to monitor that. And so he contacts those school districts. Uh, There's Cabot, there's Conway, uh, there may be another. And he sends to both the school district and the attorneys, hey, give me um, all your billing for the last three months. He does it on a rolling basis. Then he gets the billing, by the way, both from the school district and the attorneys themselves are involved. They they respond directly to Jimmy. Um, And they send him a copy of the bills. And then he goes through the bills and says, well, it says here that that, that you're billing an hour for a memo. You're billing an hour for an email. Send me that memo. Send me that email. And, you know, the attorneys have to keep that stuff because it's part of an ongoing case that they've billed for, and they've got to justify their billing, as well as just be able to go back and look at stuff, right? So you know it's there, and that's what Jimmy does. And guess what? Then they turn up, the school district in the law firm turns over those records. Jimmy did the exact same thing now. The, um, the attorneys didn't say a peep. They have, in the past, responded. Didn't say a peep. And the school district, Cabot School District, under Superintendent Thurman, said, oh, well, we don't have those records, right? But we includes the attorneys. Uh-huh. So did you ask the attorneys? Doesn't seem they did. That's a, that's a bait and switch because for the time, they did it. And then they said, oh, well, you see, he's doing that as part of uh, the Missy Bosch lawsuit. By the way, he, if he had been doing that, perfectly legal. But it happens to be he ain't. Because Jimmy Kevin has been doing this all along. So how do you go from doing something all along to say, well, it's a new thing, uh, other than the time before, and other than the time before the time before? Right. So they're wrong on the facts, they're wrong on the law. And that's uh, the hearing that we're having today. It's just a status conference, so we're not uh, ready to argue this motion. Uh, but uh, we're going to be telling the judge, you got this motion in your box, so to speak, so we need to have a hearing on that. Uh, I think there's a pending motion to dismiss. I don't frankly remember at this point. Um, so if so, we'll talk about a hearing for that and then to tell them about the discovery uh, that we've sought um, uh, um, and the discovery that they've sought and how we have been responding to each other just to keep the judge updated. So that's why Chris and I aren't in the studio today. Well, it seems to me that... Uh They've been dragging their feet. They've done everything they can at Cabot School Board as well as with their lawyers to drag this out because we got into this whole thing, uh, the story for about Missy Bosch several years ago, in fact, that was going to all it was all about masks. Yeah. uh, Yes. And meaning uh, people always say, oh, this is dragging out. And there's truth to that, but in, on this point alone, I'm not going to blame the Cabot School District, meaning uh, there's an old saying, uh, the wheels of justice grind slowly, but finally, uh, now you're seeing the slow part. Yeah, meaning, we, we, meaning, we quoted you on that on Wednesday, by the way. <laughs> I, I didn't come up with it, but I'm happy to take the credit nonetheless, like I do in most things in my life, right? Uh, but the, um, the, the point is that uh, cases take time. So I'm not sure 
No, in fact, uh, to, to be fair to the opposing side in this case, I don't think they've delayed anything. Uh, that hasn't been the problem. Their claim about the FOIA is patently wrong. Uh, their claim that they can get a motion from a federal court to restrict all the citizens of the state of Arkansas who want any records related to their wrongdoing is entirely wrong. I mean, as I said a moment ago, what a perfect storm of uh, wrongdoing it would be if you could violate someone's rights and therefore get sued and therefore use that suit as insulation from any Freedom of Information Act requests to find out if that entity was doing something wrong. You know, it's it's a reward for wrongdoing, according to the defendants. Clearly, that's not the right interpretation. All right. To be fair... To be fair, let me just add this thought. There are a handful of um, uh, trial court level decisions uh, at the federal court that have misinterpreted the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act. And it's largely because those judges issued those opinions have a very grand view of their power relative to state power. You know, it's just tr- this common problem where lefties uh, are not particularly uh, concerned about federalism. I am. Well, we all are, except That's for right. them. You're, you're exactly right. right. By the way, I just want to break away from this story just for a moment before we yeah. go to break. I was yeah. listening to a story on uh, SRN News, Salem Radio News, about yeah, the, judges, uh, the judges' the judges. De- determination about putting a hold on the uh, young kids being able to get on social media here in the state. I, I know you're probably right. a- aware of what's going on. But somewhat, there, somewhat. Yeah, yeah, there was something in that uh, of what the judge said that really caught me off guard. I understand there's some there's some legal questions there. I, I really do. Indeed. What I don't Indeed. understand is when the judge says, and I don't know if this uh, this this law do what it wants to do anyway. That doesn't matter whether the judge feels that or not, does it? That's right. That's right. Well, you're exactly right. We we had a similar thing uh, when the judge up in Fayetteville, federal judge up in Fayetteville, struck two portions out of six, mind you, of Dan Sullivan's law Act 372, which uh, protects children. Uh, in libraries, essentially. Right. Mean, yeah, that's what it does. It, uh, there are specific ways it does that. So he struck two of the sections out of six, um, so two-thirds remain the law, of course. Uh, but in doing so, he basically complained about uh, what the law was designed to do, not from a constitutional perspective, but from a policy perspective. Right. Well, that ain't your job, baby. Yeah, your it's, job is to do the judicial side. You let the legislature do their other side. That's exactly right. And if you don't like what the state legislature is doing and you live in the state of Arkansas, which he does, well, you go vote for a Democrat, which I'm sure he did. All right. Back with us at 736 is uh, Robert Steinbach. He, of course, is a law professor at the Bowen School of Law, but his opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the School of Law or the university. And uh, also with us today is a uh, Chris, Chris is with us, Corbett. He's a practicing attorney here in Little Rock, as is Robert, by the way. Guys, uh, a federal judge uh, blocked from Fayetteville yesterday, temporarily blocked the state from enforcing a law passed in April that would require social media users to verify their age via a third-party vendor 
and would require parental consent for minors to create a new social media account. Act 689 of 2023, the Social Media Safety Act, sponsored by Senator Tyler Dees, Republican Asylum Springs, was signed into law in April by Governor Huckabee Sanders and was set to go into effect today. U.S. District Judge Timothy Brooks granted a preliminary injunction at the request of the Net Choice Litigation Center, that's a tech trade industry group, uh, that contested the new law as a violation of the First Amendment guarantee of freedom of speech. Net Choice, whose members include more than 30 online entities, including Facebook, parent company Meta, X, formerly known as uh, Twitter, TikTok, Yahoo, and Google, filed its uh, complaint June 29th in the Western District of Arkansas, alleging that the new law violates the U.S. Constitution's Commerce and Supremacy Clause in addition to the First Amendment and that it requires Arkansans to hand over sensitive personal information to third-party age verification companies. It's a 50-page ruling, by the way. Brooks said the lawsuit stands a strong chance of succeeding on its merits, and he called the legislation unconstitutionally vague because it fails to adequately define which entities are subjects to its uh, requirements. So off of what you just heard there and what you guys know of this law, I don't know if you've, both of you have had time to look into it, but uh, what what's your take on this? We'll start off with you, Robert. Well, I didn't. I haven't been following it closely, but uh, I believe this is the same guy that struck those portions of uh, the uh, library law that protects uh, children, and so he uh, has this consistent leftist attitude about uh, regulation. And mind you, I am a First Amendment advocate. Uh, indeed, uh, I think the paper recognized Chris and me both as. Um, as such. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the notion, look, we, we restrict uh, access. This goes back to the point about the libraries, by the way. We restrict access uh, based on age. Now, the mechanics of this bill, I don't know. So I don't know whether um, it's too uh, but the general notion that you want to restrict access to certain materials based on age uh, is constitutional uh, and um, is permitted, therefore, under the First Amendment. Uh, the details, the devil's in the details, and I don't know what those details are here, unfortunately. Yeah, I got, here's what I was talking about with you about what the uh, judge had to say. Uh, he said that passing age-related restrictions on access to such platforms does not appear to be an effective approach when, quote, in reality, it is the content on particular platforms that is driving the state's true concerns, adding that exemptions contained in the law all but nullify the state's purposes in passing the act and are contradictory to the viewpoint of the state's own expert witness that a parental oversight is what is really needed to ensure children from potential harm that lurk on the uh, 
the Internet. Chris, your thoughts on what he just said? Because it sounds like to me he got into legislation now and not into the judiciary side of this. Yeah, so what you touched on right there on the on the uh, the notions of First Amendment and restricting speech based on content that if you put that in a in a vacuum that you can't do right, right. you cannot look at somebody's speech and say oh well he's talking about something I don't like or he's talking about porn or he's talking about slavery uh, okay that's content based restrictions that is presumptively unconstitutional, right? So but now let's talk about holding that in your brain, and then let's talk about a government, the government here, Texas, a couple other places have, have passed this age verification law. Um, there are some restrictions for Americans to do things based on age. You can't drive until you're 16, and you have to pass a driving test, right? Can't buy alcohol to your 21, which sometimes I disagree with, right? You can be 18 and go and serve your country and die for your country, but you can't have a beer. And you put those two things up next to each other, it's, it doesn't seem to, uh-oh, it's a feedback there, y'all okay? Yeah, you got a little bit. That's all right. Okay, so the next thing was, um, yeah, so now they're looking at it on, as content-based, and that's why most likely the judge kicked out this preliminary ruling, let's wait and look at the facts and see if whose free speech is being uh, impaired here. Is it the the owner of the website? Is his free speech is being impaired because it can't get to people underage? Or is it the 18-year-old or the 16-year-old that can't get to this information? Is his free speech being being uh, impaired because he can't go online and say something or gather information. It's an inter- and it's interesting. I think some other states, this thing has been shot down. Um, but uh, as Rob says, the, the devil's in the details, and it's going to get into these uh, three levels of scrutiny. And I got to tell you, if it if it comes down on strict scrutiny, which is the top level, the government's got a tough bar to chin that they're going to uh, try to restrict somebody's free speech based on content. All right. Where does age put it to this? Because they're trying to protect kids, right? I mean, if they change right. this to a certain age and saying, hey, up to this age, you shouldn't be able to uh, get onto um, any kind of website that you want to get onto on the Internet. Do they stand a better chance, Robert, of getting that through? Or uh, is this just going to be kind of a, a non-winner for, for us on this side of the law? Well, there is this issue that presented in the library case about a dichotomy in age distinctions, meaning that if you um, just simply restrict all minors, uh, you aren't taking into account the differences between, say, 17-year-olds and 7-year-olds. Now, I'm not sure how salient ultimately the higher courts will find that distinction. And I haven't done enough research to know whether any appellate court has actually addressed that distinction. Uh, But if that distinction has any merit, and I'm not sure if it does or not, then certainly if you changed any restrictions from simply minors to, say, 12-year-olds and younger, uh, you would uh, have a better chance of, uh, of keeping whatever law you've passed 
um, uh, you, keeping it uh, considered constitutional uh, by judges uh, because there would, would be no split amongst older minors and younger minors. Maybe we should call them major minors and minor minors. I don't know. Uh, but um, that's uh, a, a legal question. Uh, I'm not sure it's been decided yet. All right. So the the uh, governor, through her spokesman, uh, Alexa Henning, said that big tech companies put our kids' lives at risk. Uh, they push an addictive product that is shown to increase depression, loneliness, and anxiety and puts our kids in human traffickers' crosshairs and said that, uh, you know, she's disappointed in this ruling, called the ruling, uh, but expressed confidence in the attorney general's office's abilities to defend the law. So this is just the first pitch uh, in front of a judge. So this is going to this is going to take some time. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. That's the process, right? Yeah. The law moves slowly and grinds finely. Indeed. <laughs> See, I learn. I learn. You you say that to me and I, and I learn, brother. I, I've, I've got it down. <laughs> All right, all right. All right. Coming back, let's go back to the mayor and what's going on with him. I mean, he is—he's made a big uh, decision here, guys. He said, "I'll wait until November of 2024." Now he—he he did that uh, because it looked like the uh, city council, city officials, were not going to get behind him and uh, and give the okay for an early vote this november so he didn't he didn't want uh march and he said because it's too politicized in march that's the that's primary well let's put it this way there's a whole lot more uh republicans that are going to go to the uh, republican primary than democrats since republicans outnumber democrats in the state about three to one so uh you know, he he felt that he would lose there. So now he wants to do it in November of 2024. Let me uh, quote what he had to say about it. It's it's pretty. I find it humorous. All right. Uh, this uh, Thursday's announcement represented a tonal shift for Scott, who not long ago signaled that he favored holding the citywide vote this fall and was raising concerns about a delay though he acknowledged the final decision would be up to the city board. During a July 27th meeting at which he unveiled details of the proposal, Scott said that residents often tell him, quote, they want more and they don't want to wait. I just don't think we can afford to wait because what's going to happen is we're going to continue to go to meetings and people are continuing to ask, what are we doing? He called it, quote, very unwise to hold the election next March, arguing that there's a presidential election, there's a lot of folks on the ballot, and he gives people a reason to say no. I love that one. I love that one. Uh, with that in mind, waiting would mean officials would receive residents' complaints for another year and a half to two years, Scott said at one point. Nevertheless, Scott said, quote, early on, I decided that holding an election November 2024 is in the best interest. No, he didn't early on do it. He came up with this yesterday. All right. Remember, it was yesterday. And that that's in the best interest of our city and its voters. But it was important 
for me to hear from residents in all seven wards. Well, he heard, and I think he heard really loud, no to a 1% tax increase. Is that kind of what you guys are hearing here? He's trying to figure out some way of painting this, putting putting lipstick on a pig, uh, but people are still <laughs> people are still seeing the pig. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's absurd. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, look, uh, he wanted to get it initially on the this November ballot uh, because there there's nothing going on, meaning a ballot this November. I don't know if there's any other election no. this November. So that would be a special election. That's right. Now remember, the, the legislature soundly passed a good bill that said special elections can only happen one of two times. It can either happen during an otherwise normal election, meaning a primary, that's March. It's actually March or May, depending on the year. But in this instance, that's March. Or a normal general election, a November on those years, like November 2024. But the, the law also says it can be a, a, a November on an off year. So that would still be a truly special election. Don't get me wrong, the, the bill was a compromise. Uh, the, the ideal uh, would have been that it was only during actual other elections, meaning primary elections in March slash, slash May, or November elections during those Novembers, during those years in which we have general elections which, as you know, isn't every year. It's, I guess it's every other year, in fact, right? Yeah, because we con- congressional elections are every other year, and those are general elections in November. So Scott's goal was to get it on this November to, to create a special election for this November, because that's the lowest turnout. And he didn't want March. He admitted as much, and I, and I had a column on that. And the Democrat Gazette, you know, I have a column every Sunday in the Democrat Gazette. Please support local news. And I said the reason he wants it this November, it's the only option in the next year and a half in which it would be a special election only on that matter, therefore drawing the lowest vote count. Uh, he's now read the tea leaves and realizes it won't work because he won't get the support of the city council. But interestingly, he realizes it won't work, so he's not even going to try for March, because no. that's pretty soon. So he claims he's going to try for November of next year, which is not a special election. It's a general election. Dave Ellswick show. We move into the second hour, 8 o'clock in uh, the morning here in central Arkansas and across Arkansas, in fact. Uh, let me get back to Chris, because I wanted Chris to have a chance to uh, chime in on the Mayor Scott story we were talking about. Uh, I've t- I've given you my thoughts on it. Uh, Robert's given his thoughts on it. How about you, Chris? What are your thoughts about the, oh. the, the mayor saying, hey, we'll wait until next November, November 2024, to go for the 1%? Yeah, this is simple, Dave. The mayor's proposal went down in flames, Right. He's already tried to get this special tax passed before. Yeah, and it lost, 69, it lost 69 to 38%. Yes, sir. No support. People don't want taxes. People want to live in a safe place. There's over 90 vacancies in the Little Rock Police Department. 90, right? That was as of July of this year. And he's talking about spending money on parks, a couple million for the homeless, uh, some for the um, Museum of Arts, and 
And so now when he sees the writing on the wall, what does it say politically for you if you lose twice? Right? It means you sure don't have a whole lot of pull. That's right. That's right. And as, and as Rob said, uh, the special election is the way to go. If you want to pass a tax in the city, heads up, mayors, run it in a special election. Um, the legislature try to get rid of these special elections. You can get a tax passed in a special election because there's no turnout. 2,000 people can pass a new tax in a, in a special election. He's not going to run it in the general election in November because it'll go down even harder. No one wants these new taxes. They want to be able to live in a safe place and not get robbed downtown. So, so, so let me ask you this question then. Do you believe that he'll wait to 2025 to run it? Heck no. Do you it's think done. Do you think, I, I think, you it's, think it's dead now? You think they put a stake in it finally? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you just politically speaking, just on a, a political front, it, it would hurt him politically to run the tax and get and lose on it again. Okay. Because he's behind it. But plus, there's all his other failed lit fest and this other uh, uh, drama going on with um, special money being passed around with some um, DEI progressive kind of social programs. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah, it, there's a lot of questions with this administration and, you know, one question that has yet to be answered is where did that money for the lit thing go to exactly we still don't know where that money just disappeared to well maybe yeah get lit right i think i think it was get lit so i think they got lit and then and the money got gone yeah anyway all right well let's talk about something else local that has got a lot of people's hackles up especially It's got State Senator Dan Sullivan's hackles up. He's questioning a lot of the stuff that's going on with Central uh, Water. He has joined us from Jonesboro this morning. Thank you, Senator, for being part of the show today. And what is it about this that's just got you, you know, chewing nails now? Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. And a couple things are really of concern. And it has to do just with the tax. And I wasn't familiar with the tax, y'all, or uh, the gov- mayor down there is trying to put on y'all. But you, the government will work in many ways to attach fees and taxes in any way they can uh, to bring in more money. And what happened at Central Arkansas Water is really no different than a tax. Same thing. It's based upon what's called ESG, Environmental, Social, and Government very similar to DEI, very similar to affirmative action. All these uh, ideas and acronyms generally are ways to get more money out of the taxpayer. In this case, Central Arkansas Water was using ratepayer money, not necessarily taxpayer money, but everyone who paid in to Central Arkansas Water, which is everyone in Central Arkansas who doesn't have a well, you were paying your rate into Central Arkansas Water, and then the CEO had full discretion to make his own decisions about how to use a portion of your rate to pay for uh, and donate money to groups of his choice. And it sure appears to me that that decision was based upon what's called ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governmental uh, Structures, to promote an agenda. Okay. $100,000 worth. 
Yeah, I, I saw where, you know, some of the companies, some of these, uh, I don't know, do you, are they basically NGOs? Is that what we're looking at? Yes, the the people receiving the money were nonprofits, correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the the Central Arkansas Water, if you look at their 2022 statement, it's 318 pages, I believe, of how they organize their company financially. On about page 9 or 10 or so, it talks about they will organize under ESG, Environmental, Social, and Government Standards. Uh, and it's a, it's a left leftist uh, way of managing your money. If they're going to donate your money to organizations, nonprofits of his choice that further his mission, not necessarily the mission of Central Arkansas Water, but further the mission of uh, the social justice programs and economic justice programs. Let me, let, me, let me ask you, Senator, I know that the head of Central Water said, well, we're given the authority to do that. Are they or are they not? Well, again, it's, it's a little bit, we're looking, at, that's one of the reasons we referred this to um, the Ethics Commission, for them to make the final determination on that, whether it's legal or not, presumably uh, they can make uh, a donation to a group that furthers their mission, furthers the mission of Central Arkansas Water. So you would have to say that that the uh, uh, donation to the groups on that list further the mission of Central Arkansas Water. Now, whether they further their mission or not is really up to question. And that's what the Ethics Commission will have to determine, and that's what they'll be looking at. Well, buried in that story, I think it was on Wednesday's front page, that I thought was interesting, was Senator Dismang, who uh, thanked the uh, uh, the uh, CEO for bringing this up because we now, he said, we now know some things that we need to change in the law. Yeah, well, I would assume that's true. I think we can certainly tighten up in the law and clearly define what they're, you know, what it means to donate to someone who has the same mission as you. You know, I don't know when you look at that list. I don't know if you have it in front of you or not. But I don't. Starting from the top, uh, it's Asian businesses. It's Our Kids Read, Arkansas Association uh, of the Black Hall of Fame, uh, the Arkansas Women's Hall of Fame, the Art Auction, the Associated Industries of Arkansas. I think about $60,000 of that is going directly or indirectly to the Chambers of Commerce yes. of the communities. That's the bottom line. 50 for the future. You know, How does that promote the, the uh, mission of Central Arkansas Water? Well, you know we, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead and finish up. I'm sorry. Well, when you have people, and there's a famous country song, I think, out there right now, uh, gained a lot of attention, uh, North of Richmond, Richmond, North of Richmond. Right. Somebody uh, messaged me the other day that this would look like Richmond North of 630, uh, <laughs> that this was lining the pockets of, of rich people. Um, you know, and the guy mentioned that you know, in his little uh, blurb, they mentioned that he has a hard time paying his water bill, and he has a couple of jobs, and people struggle making ends meet, and their water bill in the next 10 years... They testified that your average water bill will double in the next 10 years. 
Uh, and here they are making, instead of putting money into infrastructure, instead of putting money into helping people who are struggling, instead of putting money into bettering the product, they're going to donate to groups that, you know, clearly I don't see the, the mission, uh, how some of these uh, keep up with the mission of, uh, of the uh, Central Arkansas Water. The Little Rock Black Nurses Association, the Little Rock Chamber, Marmel Museum of Discovery. Now, the guy, the gentleman testified, Mr. Bohannon testified, that part of the mission was to help people drink tap water instead of bottled water. Yeah, that's a, that's a real stretch there uh, to see how these groups further the mission of Central Arkansas Water. When you have people trying to pay bills, they're struggling to pay their water bill. Yeah, we, we brought that up on, uh, on Wednesday, Jimmy Cavan and I did, and we're wondering the bottled water that they're handling, uh, handing out, are they filled with, uh, you know, Central Arkansas water? Likely no. Be something to find out, wouldn't it? Let me get to to Robert. Robert, you've been on this, and you have too, Chris. We're going to get to you in just a second. But Robert, your thoughts about all of this? Well, of course, uh, it's been Dan and I who have been focused on the wrongdoing uh, at Central Arkansas Water uh, since we got wind that they were they have a political cabal there anti-conservative political cabal that was campaigning against SB 71, the bill to end affirmative action. Uh, And when we found out about that, I made a FOIA request uh, for all of those records and then wrote more than one column, in fact, on that uh, in the Democrat Gazette, my weekly column. And this thereafter exploded. Uh, We looked at what's going on with Central Arkansas Water. Here are the facts. Uh, CEO Tad Bohannon makes um, nearly nearly a quarter million dollars a year plus a $600 a month car allowance. That's enough to get a pretty nice um, BMW, by the way. He's not a civil engineer. He's not an engineer at all. Where's he driving to? To and from home? Because he ain't going to the water facilities and inspecting them. He ain't an engineer. Uh, so there's a quarter million dollars in salary that's a waste. That place should be operated by a civil engineer, in fact, a professional engineer. A CAW, uh, as I mentioned, funded their so-called JEDI team, which is their uh, DIE team, right, their diversity, equity, uh, uh, diversity inclusion, and equity team. Uh, and their mission was to work with a special advisor to the CEO on DIE, so there's a team and an advisor to wait for it, embed throughout the organization their principles, and then, sure enough, they sent out this anti-conservative screed email. Then, after they did that, uh, Bohannon told his board, I didn't know they were sending out that email, and neither did my two inclusion managers, because apparently one inclusion manager ain't enough. But one of those inclusion managers actually sent an email to the sender of that offending email immediately after she sent it saying, great job. Thanks for sending this out. So he was asleep at the switch before the email went out, and he was asleep, Bohannon was, after the email went out. Uh, CAW paid $125,000 
for Bohannon to get an MBA in Great Britain and 50 grand for a media specialist to get a degree in New York. Why are we paying for their education in the first place? And why does this guy need an MBA funded by the government? They think he's qualified to be the head of that organization already. Why is he now getting an MBA? Well, sure, we should fund, it, sure, it sure sounds like to me what we have here is a real sewer. I mean, and, and, we, can exactly. get in, and we can get in the gray water as well because it's just as bad on that end of the, of the equation. Well, you want to go to the sewer, guess what? They've got a deal. Arkansas has got two, excuse me, Central Arkansas has got two water-related companies. Central Arkansas Water, that's your tap water. But, you know, when the water goes down the drain or down the toilet, that's a separate company with another CEO who ain't an engineer who makes roughly a quarter of a million dollars. That's the sewer authority. But you only get one bill. Why? Because they have a private deal. Central Arkansas Water and the Sewer Authority to send you one bill. Why? Because if you don't pay any portion of either bill, they cut off your tap water. Now, mm. talk about, could you imagine if you didn't pay your gas bill or you didn't pay your electric bill and they cut them both off? And Bohannon claims he's particularly concerned about people of color. And I'm no big fan, mind you, of this notion of structural racism, but let me tell you, cutting off the water, particularly of minorities who can't afford to pay their either sewer bill or their water bill and cutting off their tap water is an example, if I ever heard of one, of structural racism. So his giveaways to these local pigment and plumbing organizations undermined or, or is undermined by his claim that he's worried about minorities when he's cutting off the water when they don't pay this combined bill. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and I just was told we're another step closer to streaming. We're another step closer. You'll be able to watch the show as well as listen to the show. That's a good thing. I'm glad that we're getting there. We've got uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan on the line with us. Uh, Dan, with everything that we have heard uh, during this, it, it's uh, really amazing to me. Uh, it, it seems like to me something's got to be done. I mean, what, what can you all do against, uh, you know, a, a water company, basically? Uh, yeah, good point. And a couple of things. One, I've already... Uh, started to investigate all the utilities in the state, not just water, but wastewater and other energy forms where the consumer uh, is is part of a monopoly. I mean, you have nowhere to go except for your local water company, your local energy company, and it's important that you know how they're spending their money. So, one, uh, we statewide need to investigate and just share that information, be transparent with it so the consumer knows then the consumer is going to have to find out what they need to do in their local county or their local uh, service provider group to rein some of these groups in. And the groups are all uh, administered by a board. And just like at Cal's, and Senator Hammer made a great point, Senator Hammer asked the board chair and another representative there if they agreed with all the decisions Mr. Bohannon has made. And they all agree. So when we have... DEI and ESG 
uh, all these uh, acronyms that people can't hardly keep up with, when they are embedding themselves in the uh, entity themselves, uh, it's very hard to find the detail. So we at the state level can find that out and share that. And then the people are going to have to make their wishes known to the board. Uh, and if the board needs changing, the board needs changed. And as you are probably aware, Dave, and I think many of your listeners are, uh, I'm also the chair of the uh, Arkansas Legislative Council Higher Ed Subcommittee. Right. And we're looking into DEI, which is another branch of ESG. Uh, we are looking into DEI and higher education. In the next week or so, we'll be publishing, and I'll get you a copy, a place where a, a paper where uh, DEI has embedded itself in higher ed. And fortunately, the University of Arkansas has taken the lead statewide in doing some really good things to um, uh, pull DEI apart or at least to uh, separate it and display where it's embedded in higher ed. Same thing needs to happen with ESG. I don't know if you're aware, but the state, uh, the legislature, we passed legislation that said the state of Arkansas will not invest in companies that uh, do their investments according to ESG, environmental justice, social justice, and government justice. Yes, I covered that story. That was a a big story uh, for the state of Arkansas. Yeah, big story. And now we're finding out where the ESG is embedded and how uh, companies are making uh, donations to private nonprofits based on ESG. Uh, same thing needs to happen with DEI in higher ed, DEI in schools, and ESG in, in our businesses. And we're working at that, and I'm glad to say we've got uh, a number of legislators very interested in assisting in this. We have a number of private citizens. I even got a couple of letters from people telling me to keep my nose in my own business. And don't be <laughs> you know, stay out of central Arkansas. Stay out of the library. You know, by the way, you know, the... Uh, Central Arkansas Library, Cal's donated $5,000 to the Attorney Association, the Bar Association. Now, what does the Bar Association have to do with uh, our Central Arkansas Library? I don't know. But we're finding more and more out, and as we do, we'll be sure and get it to you and, and get it on the air and let the citizens know. But it's up to the citizens to take to get involved. Well, if they're with ESG and, and Central Arkansas Water, they need to get involved with the board and find out what's going on. Well, Senator, I will be going on vacation after next week. And when I get back, let's set up a time that you and some other folks can sit down here in the studio and we can talk about how you're ferreting this kind of stuff out. Because this ends up being a lot of money that's being you know, Absolutely. funneled to these organizations. And we'll want to get into the specifics of that. And I want to thank you for giving us the time today on the Dave Ellswick Show. And we'll come on when you're streaming, and it'll be fun. All right. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Let's get back to Robert. Robert and Chris will be leaving here in just a moment. They've got a court date today dealing with the Missy Bosch uh, uh, lawsuit that's been going on. And, uh, Robert, uh, you know, from what we're hearing, this is just a pipeline to funnel money to these uh, NGOs. It's a slush fund, Dave. It's a slush fund in which um, uh, these unelected bureaucrats with no oversight 
from any board uh, are handing out money um, to organizations that they want to hand it out to. Uh, and uh, Tad Bohannon, in one year alone, one year alone gave away $120,000 of rate payer money, of public money, to private organizations. Over half of it, $65,000, went to the uh, representatives, the lobbyists of Walmart, of J.B. Hunt, uh, of uh, Tyson's, uh, and of course that is the Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. Explain to me, Dave, why a monopoly, a public monopoly with guaranteed customers, because as Bohannon said in his testimony before the legislature, you can't get your water through a tap from anybody in central, from, from anybody else uh, if you live in central Arkansas other than us. It's a mandatory monopoly, and they're funding a well-funded private lobbying group that lobbies for free enterprise and capitalism. They're a socialist organization. What do they care about free enterprise and capitalism? Yeah, yeah. And out of the 65 grand, wait for it, Dave, 30 grand went to the um, uh, Little Rock-based uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce where Bohannon is an ex-officio board member. Wow. No, no, no problem there. Of course not. Mm -hmm. Look, mm -hmm. look over here in my left hand while in my right hand I got it in your pocket and I'm pulling the money out uh, to give to other people. And here's the key. This is just not happening at Central Water. It's happening on water companies all over the state of Arkansas, according to the state senator. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.